Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. I'm joined today by Swim Swam co-founder, Olympic gold medalist, Mel Stewart. And uh, today we are joined by storied Olympic coach, USC head coach from 2007 to 2020. Uh, over 25 NCAA champions, over I think like 150 All-Americans, uh, Dave Salo, who has an awesome beard. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think you should have been rocking this beard a long time ago. I, well, I, I wish I had, but I never thought I could grow it out, so I never did. We, my impression of you on deck is I, I, I feel like I know everybody, and, uh, and I've probably broken bread and, and had drinks, probably way too many drinks with too many coaches, but you, you're, you're, you've, you've, slipped out, you've slipped away from my grasp. Maybe it's been that it was that West Coast thing. I wasn't on the West Coast long enough, but you always had this presence on deck that was intimidating with the beard, uber intimidating. Oh, wow. That's, I, I never wanted to come across as intimidating, but, uh, uh, but, but uh, well, that's good. I was, I was such a wimp. I always wanted to come across intimidating. I, always wanted, I wanted to have a little oomph behind me. But we, anyway, we do like the beard. Well, thank you. So I, there, there, there's, there's, there, I, I just off the top in terms of this coaching philosophy, um, I'm always surprised when I see a coach with a PhD. You get a PhD from USC in exercise physiology. When I see that, when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. Salo's been around forever. He's been successful forever. I know a lot of coaches are, they, they go by feel. They go by that blink understanding of the sport, and they're, they're, they're not into the data. You know, where do you fall on that scale in terms of, because you, you get some serious accolades. USC PhD is, is uh, it makes you a heavyweight. Uh, well, I think what, uh, what I've really tried to do in my career is, is blend the academic knowledge that I learned earning a PhD and the work going towards that. But I'm as artistic a coach, if you will. So it's, it's kind of a balance between the two. It's I think what I've, I've come to be able to do really, really well in my career is to not be so focused on the analytics and so, so focused on the numbers to allow me to be really creative and innovative in the things that I do. So, so and, and I, I think what the background academically that I have allows me to have a greater uh, potential of innovation with what I do because I can, I can link what I do in training in a creative way to how it relates back to the, the academic piece, the physiologic piece, the, the, the pieces that I know, but I don't need to bore anybody else with. So it doesn't matter to me that the kids understand where I'm coming from in terms of the physiology and the, the, that piece to, to my background. That's not what their interest is. My interest to, to, for them, it's, it's to, they've got to uh, kind of uh, logically ascertain that what we're doing makes sense because I think for, for a lot of us that swam in the 70s and the 60s that none of it made sense but we did it because we were told to do it that way and, and all the successful kids like Mel were doing it that way and that's how we needed to do it um, so that's the, the biggest important part to, to what we do as coaches 
is to get them to buy into what we're doing. Be it, be it training 2500s in practice, we're doing 2025s full speed. Uh, but I, I use the background academically to kind of give me kind of a checkoff list of, okay, what did that satisfy physiologically? Powers, uh, body position, overcoming drag forces, all those things that uh, I don't think a kid needs to know. They just need to do it uh, the way I think it needs to be done. And I, I think they have a, they enjoyed a lot more that way. I think. Yeah, can I can I keep going, Coleman? Yeah, am I allowed? To, am I allowed to keep going? <laughs> so what this is really about, Coach? What this real? What we're really happy here for is I want to know how you would train me in the two hundred fly, because your oh. creative your creative reputation precedes you. <laughs> well, I think that that's a good question. I, I think. Uh, well, I'll, I'll give you kind of a backstory. I think uh, I was. Everybody thought of me as a sprint coach. My my philosophy is race pace training and. And I, 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 I never had any, a lot of distance, if you will, oriented athletes that trained with me. Um, but I was always intrigued by, I want to coach a distance kid. And uh, when I got the job at USC, uh, preceding me was co coach Mark Schubert. And almost everybody there was a distance oriented athlete. And so I fell into a position where, ah, I get to coach distance-oriented athletes. Uh, in short order, we, we termed the phrase uh, long sprint for the kids that swam the mile. And I got the opportunity to coach uh, Larson Jensen, Osmaluli, and, and, um, and uh, some really good distance-oriented kids. So uh, just kind of a side story, uh, when I got to USC, Osmaluli was – done collegiately and, and he was kind of in and out a little bit and um, he wasn't sure what he wanted who where he was going to train he wasn't certain he was going to train with me and, and he was training a little bit off and on and, and one day he was about ready to jump in and I pulled him over to the side and I said you can't swim here anymore and he looked at me like what do you mean who are you who are you uh, he goes I said I'd love to coach you Os but you're gonna if you're gonna stay here to train you're gonna do it my way and uh, he kind of turned to me. He goes, you're serious, aren't you? And I said, yeah, you're great talent. I'd love to coach you, and, and you just have to trust me. And so it's uh, the, the, the distance athletes, oriented athletes that have come to trust me. I have learned that uh, we're not going to venture into doing repeat miles or repeat 500s for success. For a 200 butterfly like you, we wouldn't do repeat 200 butterflies, but we would do race pace, perfect stroke type swimming. And and uh, I, I can see things that, that I would have you do, Mel. If you go back to what you asked initially, my background academically is in physiology. And I look at training as, as you're trying to satisfy two things. You train the physiology and you teach the skill of racing the race. And training the physiology can be completely different. And uh, I, I challenged my coaches this last year on a set of 850s. And I said, let's go 850s. Each of you take a group. Um, and the interval is two minutes and 30 seconds, but I want them getting no more than about 20 or 30 seconds rest between 50s. And there, for me, it was like, this would be cool. I, I, I'm gonna make these 50s last for two minutes and make them functional, make it, make it really work that when they finish a 50, they're exhausted, they're tired, they're, they're just, they're just they're, 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 their physiology is going 100 miles per hour. And for me, I look at that as the challenge is to try to train the physiology in a manner that, that kind of elevates the metabolism to a high level, that when I then have you go um, three 
25 meter swims at race pace equal to the last 25 of a gold 200 meter butterfly, then you will, your physiology is already ramped up to what it's going to feel like the last 25 uh, of a race. And so that's how I kind of, kind of link the two. We train the physiology and teach the skill. So if we elevate the physiology to a very high level, that doesn't look like repeat 500s, but gets you elevated higher than you could do at repeat 500s, and then you go 350s race pace equal to the last 50 of your 500 free or 200 free or whatever it might be. That's the challenge is trying to hold stroke and tempo and, and the race pace efforts over the last 50 once you've already got things ramped up. Uh, that's a lot more consumable to kids these days. Um, back when you swam, Mel, and before that when I swam, it was pretty common. I remember doing sets of three 1500s, descend one through three, and I was a, I was a mediocre breaststroker. And uh, the 100 hundreds or 175s a minute, to this day, I still remember what that felt like. And I don't think it made me any better, but we did it because that's what you're supposed to do. So, that, so there's kind of a link between the two. For anybody listening out there, I just want everyone to know, Salo is much older than I am. Much older. I'm a spring chicken. Well, I'm probably <laughs> about 20 years older than you are, I think, maybe. You look great. You don't look 20 years older than I am. You, you look fan. If I grow my beard out, it is white. Oh, there you go. There you so go. I've got, got character gray. Character gray. Yeah, you, you've you've got it. So, so Colin and I were talking before you came on, and he's—I mean, he's like, you know, your your create your creative reputation precedes you. But I don't think you're somebody who's as. Well, I'm not going to call any coaches out, but let's just say some coaches like the media. And it seems like you have. Um, it's not something that you you've gone after. You you've stayed on deck and you've stayed focused on the pool. And, uh, and everybody does, they, they, they do talk about what you're doing. When Coleman came back, you, you were on deck with him, right? Coleman for a practice and pancakes. And I was looking at the footage and I'm like, what is this? This looks like Disneyland. I don't understand it. <laughs> so, um, can you give him some impressions of your time on deck with coach? Are you talking to me? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm talking to you. Coleman. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I went there and, and I was super excited. I had, I had never been to the, well, I went last fall and I went and I went last spring and and when I was there in the fall in 2018, first of all, uh, they had an inner squad. It was the the golden garnet. Cardinal gold meat, yeah. Okay, and uh, I mean that meat was just such a such a fun team atmosphere. And I think there was was there like wacky odd distance races. Uh, that year, I think we did 75s or something like that. We did was, some different distances. The so favorite part, though, is the we 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 used. I would always get a call from the VP of Student Affairs after our first event. The first event was always a run through campus with a 50 meter lane line across everybody's shoulder, and the kids would all. And I would always tell the kids, you do not have to wear your swimsuits only. You have to wear shoes. <laughs> You can wear whatever you want, but they inevitably would always want to wear suits. So they would run through campus, uh, these two teams of 50-meter lane line uh, haulers. And, and by the time they got back, I would get a call from the VP saying that we're, are they hazing the kids? Like, no, I, 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 I prepped them with, they don't, have to, they don't have to go out in their suits, but they all choose to do. They're pretty proud of themselves, and, <laughs> as you would be as, as, as a swimming athlete running through campus on a hot day in September. But um, but yeah, we, we've always tried to, uh, yeah, I just think swimming should, look, my, my, my philosophy is that swimming is really boring. 
it's a boring sport. It's, it's, it's on the line. It's back and forth. It's, it's, it's crazy boring. And, and, but I've done it for 41 years as a coach and I swam until I was, I swam for John Urbanchek at Long Beach state for, for a year. And, and, but I love the sport, but, but I think in this day and age where technology has ramped everything up in terms of immediacy and, and you can, it's like me, I tell stories about how when I was a kid swimming, I'd come home and we didn't have microwave ovens. And, and, and so I had whatever the family ate, but it's been in the oven for three hours. And I'd sit in front of the television and, and we had three channels and you'd have to get up and change the channel during commercials. or you sat through the commercials. And now in my, as I got older and technology advanced, I could come home, microwave a pretty good meal and sit in front of the TV and I can watch 35 shows in an hour because I've got the clicker going the remote control going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and, uh, and, and, and so the technology has advanced but swimming has stayed basically the same. So I try to kind of put, uh, swimming for me, training wise, it's kind of like Google. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just kind of keep throwing stuff at the kids, keep the physiology operating at a very high level. And then, teaching the, the racing pieces as, as I can. So that's probably what you experienced when you came to our pool is just, what the hell is this? It's, it's, it's crazy time. It was, it was certainly unlike anything I've ever seen. And then, and then we had the beach practice and, and that was, that was so fun. But so, you know, the moral of the story is uh, you do things a lot differently. And I think any athlete who has swam for you in the last 20 years, you talk to them and they say, Oh, Sela just, you know, he, he's so fun to swim for. When did, when did you trying to, to, to do things differently or to get creative, when did that process start for you in coaching? Yeah, well, I started coaching when I was 19. I had I got, I was looking for a job when I moved down to Long Beach to go to school. And, and I knew I had always wanted to be a coach. I didn't know exactly how I was going to get there. And um, I had two job opportunities. My first year I got down, the first month I got down to, to Long Beach, and it was either a um, I was going to be a uh, retail salesman at a place called Cookie Munch's Paradise, um, which wasn't that exciting. And there happened to be a club job open up at, at Downey, um, and it was the Downey Dolphins. And it was like this is what I've always wanted to do. So I was hired as an assistant coach. I was 19 years old, and by that December, I became the head coach. The, the head coach uh, was a dad on the team who had taken over and he just said, look, you, you take this on. So I was there for five years and it was a small novice type program. I tried to be like everybody else when you started into coaching, ramp it up. We've got to do the yardage. We've got to get 9,000 yards in a workout. That was how my mindset was when I started coaching. At the same time, in parallel, I was taking a class, one of my first uh, physiology classes at Long Beach State was uh, conducted by a professor by the name of Joseph Mastropalo. And he taught me some things in, um, in the lab situation that I was just amazed by. And it was an applied physiology class uh, where we were learning. We basically learned how sprint training can impact aerobic performance. That's the bottom line. It was sprint training having this huge impact on aerobic performance. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. Um, through that class, I, I studied with him for about four years. I got my master's degree with him as well. And I just explored different uh, modalities and training that was just very contrary to what I believed in. 
so my first five years, I was this, I was this typical run-of-the-mill distance type oriented coach. And, and I didn't matter where these kids were coming from. I'm just going to pound them with yardage. And I hated it. I was, I was just hating practice. They hated it. Uh, and then I finally learned from the classes I took that well, maybe there's a different way to do this. And then I settled into uh, just more of a, a race pace type uh, focus. In fact, one of my first swimmers at, uh, at, at uh, Downey was a young kid, 13-year-old kid. He's, he's a coach now. His name's Rod Snyder. And Rod was this 11, 12-year-old kid that I had. And, and he, was, he, was, he was a little bigger than most 11, 12-year-olds. And he was a 500 freestyle miler. And uh, he got to uh, junior nationals in, in the mile and the thousand free. Uh, he was a 12 year old, he broke five minutes in the 500 freestyle. I was pretty good at back in those days. And uh, he didn't do a mile in practice. He, in fact, I tell the story that one day I was going to have him do a thousand in practice to get a time. And he was, he was going so slow the first 200, I stopped him. And we moved over the, to the 15 yard pool and did sprints the rest of the night. So. Um, and that's kind of the way I've been with the, the, the milers is I want them to, to swim at race pace. And if it's not race pace, it's, it's just warm down. And, uh, you know, when Mike, you know, when Michael Andrew came on the scene, everybody lost their minds. I think mostly because he turned pro and, 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 and didn't cross the line. He, college swimming is sort of like a religion in our, in our community and in our, in our, in our right. family. So he caught a lot of flack for that, but it's a, but most everybody in the know, said, wait a minute, Salo's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Dick Jokum was doing it for a long time. Did, uh, did, you, did, w- did you have peers who were doing what you were doing, you were rubbing shoulders with them and saying, hey, this is what I'm, this is what I'm experimenting with, like Jokum's. Um, did you do that when you were younger? No, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, through most of my career, I've been pretty isolated. I, I spent five years at Downey. Uh, I was then about the same near the end of that. I was uh, working on my PhD at USC. Um, I was fortunate enough that uh, did what happened at that time that the, the men's team were complaining they didn't have enough coaches on the deck with Peter Dalen. Uh, Peter Dalen always liked the large teams. We had like 35 plus kids on the team. And um, so the kids were complaining they wanted more coaches on deck. I was on campus and Ingrid Dalen knew I was on campus. She, come across me in age group swimming and she said, Peter, Dave's there. And, and I actually used to go up and watch practices once in a while. And so he kind of pulled me from the stands and asked me if I'd be interested in working with a team. So during those five years of, of working with Peter, it was, uh, I knew my role. My role was his assistant. So Peter would write the workouts. I would generally be kind of assigned to the sprint side of the, uh, the pool and, and I would interpret uh, whatever Peter wrote for workout. Tell the story one day. I, I went over, I got, got a piece, copy of the workout, went over to the sprint group, and, and I said, We, we got you know, guys who got, got eight 400s this morning. And they looked at me and they said, Dave, we did eight 400s yesterday. And I said, Oh, well, let me go check with Peter. So I will go back to Peter. I said, The guys did eight 400s yesterday. Do you want to change that? And he, he took the piece of paper, scribbled it out, wrote something else. And I go back to the guys and goes, okay, guys, you don't have eight 400s. You got four 800s. Instead of eight 400s, you got eight, four 800s. So that was – that, and, and, Peter and I, Peter and I became very fast friends. And 
and I miss him to this day. But for Peter in that generation, that era, it was it was just the the number at the bottom of the page was what was important. Uh, my job with Peter was to reinterpret the four eight hundreds or the eight four hundreds so there there became purpose to it for the for the guys. It was I didn't change anything. There was two workouts where he didn't show up. He didn't get the practice. And, I got to run a couple of practices on my own. So that that's that was that was fun. Do, do, do you have an athlete who's who who could do things and work out that um, I know you have, and you were just like your jaw went slack. Um, yeah, I, I think that any time I'm asked that question, I think Aaron Pearsall probably is is the 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 kid that could always do anything that I asked of him. And he could do it really well with a smile on his face. And he never, he never tired. It didn't matter what it was that we were doing. Uh, some of the older postgrads that would come to train with us uh, would, get, would often get a little upset because Aaron could, could beat anybody doing his backstroke and maybe doing freestyle. Uh, but uh, Aaron probably, without a doubt, Aaron's probably the, just, just wouldn't fatigue and just he could do anything you asked him. He would do the speed you wanted. Um, and then he was always very consistent in his racing. So he was probably the, the guy. And at the same time, I was coaching Michael, uh, Michael Cavick at the same time. And, and Michael was probably the, uh, not, not the opposite, but Michael was the, was the typical sprint guy. He was very talented, probably more talented physically than Aaron was. But his, his mind and just his appreciation of the work was just not – not as, as good as a 13, 14, 15 year old. He was, I wouldn't, I, you know, maybe a little lazy, but, uh, but I had two of these kids who were so talented and skillful. One was could just master anything and didn't care what you did. You could throw it at him. And Michael, you had to kind of uh, balance things out a little bit better. And, and uh, he, was, he was sometimes a little tough to work with. Jason Lezak was, a, was uh, an interesting character because Jason always came to practice. Uh, but when he was in high school, he and I just didn't like each other a whole lot. Uh, he came to appreciate me more when he was kicked off his college team a few times. And then we, we became good friends and, and uh, worked really, really well together in his, later in his career. But early on, it was a, it was a fight because I wanted things to be perfect, and he was really sloppy and stuff like that. So yeah, you, you That's the other thing the kids will tell you. I'm, I'm very, very detail-oriented. There's like these, the set of 850s on 230. There's so much details that go into a 50 like that, and I want them all to be done correctly. And, and I get, I, I used to. I don't get any more. I learn, learn better skills. But I used to get really mad when they didn't do it right because it was always their fault. And I had to learn that I had to explain things better and, and get a little better at, at communication. Coleman, I'm, I'm hogging him. Do you have a question? If you don't, I'm, I'm jumping in. Oh yeah, I'm, in, I'm in on this. The, uh, you know, you. you You've got the education, you've got the time on deck, you've achieved mastery, but you know, the, the coaching component that, that is most fascinating oftentimes is, you know, how much of what you're doing is clinical therapy because, you know, you, you mentioned Aaron Pearsall and, you know, watching him from a distance, I'm a jealous of Aaron Pearsall because it seemed like he was an artist in the water. And I always, my theory on swimmers was that something was going on dysfunctional in their background and they were just tough as nails. And they're working it out in the pool. But a coach always has to deal with that baggage. How big is that component over your career, the clinical therapy component? 
Oh, I think that's a huge part of it. I, I, I'm convinced that a lot of our best performers in, in athletics or any, any skill are a lot of times running away from their demons. Uh, I just, I, I've had enough experience with some of the former athletes that I've coached that, that always thought that if they uh, win a gold medal or break a world record, their life will be happier, everybody will like them more. And they've got all these issues going on. And, and and then they achieve that accomplishment and then they realize their life isn't any different. They, they thought they would be prettier or smarter or funnier or whatever. It's like, no, it has nothing to do with that. So I've had that and that's kind of my, 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 my theory is that they're running away from demons that, that I'll constantly catch up with them. It doesn't really matter. Um, I think what I've tried to do and in, in, uh, I've been really fortunate. I think that I'm really proud of my career and I think that, that, in, in part, a lot of these performances are, are direct result of what I've done with my athletes. But I think I've always kept my ego in check to the extent that I can be proud of it, but I don't have to go on social media and, and drum, drum up the beats for myself. And, and I think it's, it's helped me work with some athletes that are, are, are being chased by demons to let them become empowered over that a little bit more. And that it's, it's not about me. It's about you. Um, I had an occasion uh, back in, um, I, when Rebecca Sonny was training with me and she came in one day, she was, uh, she was frustrated by something and, and um, she was talking about Ariana Cooker swimming in Fullerton. And, and I said, look, if you want to go swim with Ariana, go swim with Ariana. I want you to be happy in that and versus being miserable training with me. And she said, no, it's, she got mad at me. She got, no, I got but uh, I think that that's allowed me to just to not be so possessive or it all be about me, I think has helped me with my relationship with the athletes that they, they, it becomes more about them. In the 2012 Olympics, uh, I, was, I, was, I was on the coaching staff and I had my group, which is a smattering of this, that, and the other thing. And Rebecca was one of those people. And she was a little frustrated with the training at the point in time. And one of her best friends was on the team was Dana Volmer. I said, well, go train with Dana. Go train with McKeever and, and Dana Volmer. Go get comfortable. You don't have to train with me every day. It's, it's okay. I'll check out your stroke or whatever it might be. And I think uh, that be, being trusting the athletes to make the right decisions for themselves, um, that's, I think that's always been more important to me than, you know, the accolades that I, that I, might, that I might achieve. But, uh, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, throughout my career, so many people have just complained that Coach Salo is just so lucky. And it's, it's, I'd rather be lucky in, in my life than – Unlucky in your life, I guess. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been, I, that's never been a problem. Oh, he's so lucky. He's got all these great athletes. Okay. I'll take a look. I think, I think every coach wants to have, uh, you know, you want to impact someone's life, change their life, not just in the pool, but outside of it. But also it's the rare coach where you, and you, you, where the athletes remain loyal uh, when they're gone and they have only good things to say. That doesn't happen all the time, but that does in, in your case. So it's, uh, I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm wondering, it's that possessive piece. It's like, Hey, I'm here to be creative with you, but if you're not happy, go do what you got to do. And, um, that's, that, that doesn't happen all the time. So it, interesting to hear that from you. And, and it sounds like it's, it's always worked. The, uh, we, before we get to a point where we're winding down, I, you and I've had some call, you know, some talks off, off while we're not live recording. And you said, you know, I've, I've just been like, hey, buddy, what's going on? 
what, what I, one of the things I have to bring up is like our new CEO, Tim Henchy is like, you're like one of his three most favorite people on earth. And I think it's interesting. He's a young, he's a new CEO, but he, he really loves you. And I've learned about him um, through you. So what, what is, what is the connection between the two of you? Well, Tim swam at UC Irvine, uh, same time Dave Durden swam there. And back in the, those days, uh, Irvine would have to come over to our pool in Irvine to uh, train at our, our facility at Irvine Nova Swim. So in the mornings, I'd see Tim and when he was swimming, and then he took a, a graduate assistant position with Irvine uh, one year. And, and so he and I were on the deck a lot, and we'd talk about things. And I gave him a job as a, one of our master's coaches. And, so we, we just had, we, uh, we, we were on the deck in the morning at 5.30 in the morning a couple of days a week and got to know each other pretty well and always liked his energy. I was, when, I was really surprised when he was named CEO of USA Swimming because uh, in my mind he's a 24-year-old kid and, and uh, I had to go back to his, his, uh, his bio to go, oh my God, this, this, guy, this guy's in his 40s, he's got five or six kids. He's moved on in life and had a very successful career. So uh, he and I are, are good friends and, and uh, he, he's willing to, he's just, I think he's really creative. I think he's got some great ideas for USA Swimming. He's, he, uh, he affords me the opportunity to, to twist his ear a little bit and give him my feedback as to what we can do. And, and so it's, 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 he's, I think he's a good leader. I think he's going to be really good for, for our sport. He's, he's got, he's got a, a very deep resume and, and, and professional sports, but he's very proud that on his resume, he can add swim coach yes. thanks to you. <laughs> it's a, no, that's a great, I think it's a great line item to have if you're looking at a leader and for, an, for an organization like USA Swimming, I think it matters. So that's a, yeah. And you, go, you also, you get to know someone really well when you're standing on the deck at 530 in the oh, yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah. And I think having the empathy for what, um, you know, coaches are going through and how they're trying to build their programs and stuff like that. I think that's really, really powerful. So I think he's always, I think he's got to get a handle on how we can grow our sport and make it, uh, make it continue to keep it the sport that it's been. Yeah. We're, we're down to, we're down to eight minutes, but I just wanted to, we, so in, in, in our other talks, you, you talked about, it's really about what's going on with you now. And what I heard from you is that you're still passionate about swimming. You still want to educate people and you want to, you want to take that wisdom and spread it around the world. Are you, can you talk about it a little bit or are you sort of in the, are you still thinking about it phase? Well, I, I, things are kind of coming to a kind of good vision of, as to what I'm trying to do. I, I'm back with Irvine Nova. Um, I'm primarily a general manager. I've got about uh, 10, 12, athletes have, who come down here from my program Trojan Swim Club at USC they're moving down this way to continue training for 2021 now um, I've got some interest from uh, some other athletes are looking for a place to train uh, it's very organic I'm not recruiting athletes to come train with us um, I kind of open the doors to almost anybody um, and uh, I there's 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 one, one thing that I'm, I'm hoping to do in the, in the spring, I'm going to be a volunteer assistant at Orange Coast College. Uh, the coach there is Anthony Acopetti, and Anthony swam for me at, at Irvine back in his high school days. And so I said, I'd love to come over there. And they've just built a brand new facility. We're hoping that I can get my pro group in there at some point in time, if that's feasible to the administration there at OCC. 
I coached at OCC before I went to USC. Uh, so I've got some familiarity with Orange Coast College. Uh, but it's a beautiful facility, and uh, it'd be a great place to host a professional group, uh, which I'm looking to do. Uh, this year is a really interesting time. I, I had some conversation with a couple of my coaches uh, the last few days that there's a number of kids who are not sure about uh, what the collegiate environments can look like this fall. Uh, some are contemplating sitting out the semester or sitting out a year, and they're looking to me to possibly take on the post-high school group, which I think would be a lot of, a lot of fun. I put my head in periodically with age group kids and run, the, run a few little sets with them, and to, I think that helps to uh, kind of give my coaching staff a little bit insight into how I how I run practices and stuff like that. So there's this kind of coach education thing that I'm looking at. I'd like to do some work with age group kids. I've got a pro group that we'll continue to work with. Um, I'm slated to work with uh, one of the ISL teams this coming fall. And should that actually materialize? I'm looking forward to that. So I'm trying to not get overly committed to anything. I, 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 when I decided that I would actually retire, I was thinking of, I don't need a job. I'd like to take on projects. So the Orange Coast College is a project that I'm looking forward to. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, the postgrad group continues to be a project. Um, working with age group kids at Nova will be a, is kind of a project. Um, so I, 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 before the whole pandemic thing had kind of uh, shown us uh, how we're going to be so isolated, uh, my plan was to take my Salo Swim Camp International. And uh, I had some assets in in the Asian market to, to do that, which we'd kind of put on hold. But that down the line will probably be one of the things that I do. Um, I, I talk to Tim often about what USA Swimming looks like, but I'm looking forward to it. You know, I tell you, one of my favorite trips ever, I was asked by Lindsay Mintenko a couple of years ago to do the Short Course World Championships in China. And it's one of those meets that USA doesn't really participate in that much. I had a blast. We had a bunch of young coaches and, and I was the older statesman and we just had a great group of athletes and had fun and they swam well. So if I could do short course world championships every year with the United States team, that'd be really cool. So if I can get a plug for that, I'm, I'm available. A lot, of, a lot of the coaches aren't available at that time. Tim, Tim, if you're listening. I've got, uh, and, and I've been, I've been actually, I've been renovating my house in Orange County for like four years now. And I'm still renovating it, so I'm working on all the projects around the house. All right, we're down to four minutes. It's a uh, so if Tim Henshaw, you're listening out there, you know, short course world champs, Sailor will take the reins. And uh, what what I'm so we are time is winding down, but what I'm hearing as you're talking is back to that creativity. It sounds like you're still evolving as a coach, and you want to have space and time to be creative, and that's. Uh, that that's that sounds like that's what that's your future going forward is is it uh what excites you most about swim going ahead well i think what i'm excited about there's i'm, I'm under no restrictions anymore uh the collegiate environment i love coaching at usc and i'm really proud of my career at usc uh it's just it's just the this this, this massive organization that that just impedes you from the progress that you're trying to make and you got to be really careful about everything you do and you, you can't be a minute over time and you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And that's really, really stifling. Uh, so I, I, I think when I finally got my 
final paper that said I was retired from USC a couple of weeks ago. It was like this, this sense of relief and, and I'm, I'm no longer restricted. And there, I don't have to worry about accounting for the hours for this or for that or, or, or whatever it might be. And because of the pandemic, they put all these restrictions just, just this, this, this summer with, you, know, you couldn't coach your kids, even if you had pool time and universities were closing their facilities, even though that the, 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 you weren't restricted to that. USC did a great job with me. said that up until that last, very last moment, they were going to allow me to continue to coach my, uh, my athletes for the Olympic games. And, and uh, at the last minute, at the, that very last moment in time, they said, coach, we're, we're not going to be able to keep the pool open. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the most important thing is, is, is there's no restrictions. My mind just started running with ideas for things that I could do. And, and uh, I'm real excited about the, the prospects of what, what, what lays out there. And, and uh, so I, I think, I, I think, uh, I think I can be a lot more creative. I, somebody said years ago that based on my creativity, if I, if I had to, I could, I could run a practice in a bucket. And I think that's who I am, that give me a bucket, some water, and I can teach somebody to swim fast. So uh, I think that's on my horizons. From I think I can be more creative. Uh, I think I'm just kind of scratching the surface of the things I can do. As you move forward and you take on these projects and they evolve, will you come back and talk to us? Oh, I'll come back and see you guys often. Mel, you've always been a good supporter of mine. Even when things looked a little shady with me, you always were supportive, so I appreciate that. It's because I'm old enough to have context and know what the truth is. And it's, <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it, it's it's never what people it. think it is. We'd love to have you back on. Thanks so much sure. for coming on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have Salo back. So if you have some more questions, share them with us. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim Podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.